Here you go, Mary Lou. You're in there. You were only 16 years old the day your mom was reported missing. What do you remember about that day? We started calling different hotels, airlines, but just nothing. It was unlike her character to not be in contact with her children or with any friends or family. I had a gut feeling that something was terribly wrong. At first, you kind of thought, okay, why are they together? The cars and the expensive jewelry or the trips that they went on. Some were under the impression that Mary Lou was a gold digger and just after Roger's money. Typically, the boyfriend, spouse, husband, that's your number one suspect. She said, it was just a weird look on his face. It was a weird conversation. I locked the doors when he left. She started feeling that something was wrong with him. He made her feel scared and nervous. Your surveillance team did see him do something that raised your suspicions. Yes. You're thinking, this is unbelievable. She's not missing on her own accord. Something tragic has happened to her. I'm Paula Zahn, and tonight we're on the case in Washington Township, Michigan, an affluent suburb of Detroit. The quiet community became the unlikely setting for a disturbing mystery when a loving mother of three simply vanished. As investigators launched a desperate search for answers, they never could have imagined the maze of greed and betrayal they would discover. June 15th, 2007. It was just after midnight when the Macomb County Sheriff's Office got an unusual call. A mother of three had disappeared from Washington Township, one of the area's wealthiest communities. How did the call first come in? A missing person call was taken by our dispatch center. Two deputies responded to the home of Roger Blanchard to take his report. Roger Blanchard, a 71-year-old retired businessman, told the officers that his live-in girlfriend, 50-year-old Mary Lou Johnson, was missing. Roger said neither he nor Mary Lou's three teenage sons from a previous marriage had seen her in close to 24 hours. This is the house where Mary Lou Johnson and Roger Blanchard lived. Roger had made several attempts to contact her with her cell phone. He called friends and family in the area, and no one had seen Mary Lou. I remember coming home from school. She was not at the house. We was just trying to find out where could she be, because she didn't give us any information about her whereabouts. The boys had also tried contacting their mother, but calls to her cell phone went straight to voicemail. And it was out of character for her to not answer her phone. Exactly, yes. If she didn't pick up her phone, I would get a call back within a minute. Roger 
Roger told police he hadn't seen Mary Lou since the previous morning. He said she had run some errands and planned to go for a jog. He thought like maybe she fell in a ditch or something, was injured. We looked all over the block. I was actually with one of the deputies. We were just driving around the whole area, just searching. Detectives asked Roger if they could thoroughly search the property, and he authorized investigators to do anything that might generate a lead. They had an in-ground pool in the backyard that we drained, and she was not in the pool. Did Roger describe hearing anything unusual that afternoon? No, he did not. The home was 10,000 square feet. There was a lot of room and there was a lot of different areas that anything could have happened without Roger hearing or knowing or seeing anything. Did anything seem out of place in the home? No, no, everything was in order. There was no problems that we could see by looking through the house. When detectives were told that Mary Lou's purse and cell phone were not inside the home, they thought perhaps that she and Roger had an argument and Mary Lou had taken some time to cool off. We do take a lot of missing reports and a lot of them are due to an altercation, whether it be an argument with a loved one and they just need some time alone. When you asked Roger, if it was possible that she had gone away, what did he say? He said there was no reason. They had a loving relationship and they were not arguing, they were not fighting, and things were as good as they'd been. When police found out that Mary Lou was a native of the Philippines, they wondered if a family emergency overseas might have been the cause of her sudden disappearance. That theory gained traction when those working on the case discovered that Mary Lou's passport was missing. Maybe she had a flight to the Philippines and a message didn't get relayed to her kids. That was the only scenario I could think of that she was unharmed at that point. But when detectives contacted Mary Lou's sister in the Philippines, it became clear she had not flown home. She said she had not heard from her. It was at that point that I had a gut feeling that something was terribly wrong. And as investigators became convinced that Mary Lou had been the victim of foul play, they began to take a much closer look at the man who first alerted them to her disappearance, her 71-year-old millionaire boyfriend, Roger Blanchard. Macomb County Police had been investigating a disturbing mystery at the mansion of millionaire businessman Roger Blanchard. The 71-year-old's live-in girlfriend, Mary Lou Johnson, had disappeared without a trace. And after three days of searching for the devoted mother of three, investigators had begun to fear the worst. For those closest to Mary Lou Johnson, 
the possibility that she had been victimized seemed especially cruel. The 50-year-old mother had worked very hard to get back on her feet after losing her husband to cancer. The tragedy had left her to raise their three teenage boys on her own. After my dad passed, she wouldn't let anything, like, you know, slow her down. She was working full time just to support us. Did she ever feel sorry for herself? No. She was such a sweet, great lady. That was like my best friend. She just had such a warmer heart. One of the best for all three of us all the time. Mary Lou was still struggling to make ends meet when she was introduced to Roger Blanchard. A romance quickly blossomed, and the couple became inseparable. Within a few months, the wealthy businessman invited Mary Lou and her three sons to move in with him. For Mary Lou, the offer to live in his mansion as a family had seemed like a dream come true. And she went from living in a small apartment to moving into this luxurious home. How did your lives change when Roger came into her life? He made her really happy, and they both loved each other. Roger treated Mary Lou and her sons like family, lavishing expensive gifts on all of them. He bought her a brand-new convertible Cadillac and bought all her kids' cars as they turned 16. He liked to spend money on Mary Lou, and he did. Just how rich was Roger Blanchard? His attorneys told us that he was a genius. He owned his own factory, and it did very well. It sold for a lot of money when he retired. Roger Blanchard was a brilliant engineer. He had a number of patents on products that he produced for NASA. Despite everything that Roger and Mary Lou's sons told police, their relationship still raised some questions. In particular, detectives took note of the 21-year age difference between Roger and his girlfriend. At first, you kind of thought, okay, you know, what's the connection here? Why are they together? The cars and the kids moving in and the trips that they went on, there's something going on with her. Police wondered if Mary Lou had been taking advantage of Roger's generosity and how he might have reacted if he discovered that his girlfriend had been playing him for a fool. Did you think there was any way Roger Blanchard could have been involved in Mary Lou's disappearance? Typically, the boyfriend, spouse, husband, that's your number one suspect. Investigators immediately pressed Roger about his feelings for Mary Lou. He described the relationship as a loving relationship. He didn't tell us any problems that they had. Was he upset? He was very upset, very upset. He was very concerned that something had happened to her.
detectives could also see that Roger was not a healthy man. They believed it was highly unlikely that the frail millionaire was even physically capable of hurting Mary Lou. His health was declining quite a bit, where he was bedridden at that point most of the day. And they found no evidence to link Roger with Mary Lou's disappearance. He answered every question. He gave us freedom to look around his house, check any records. He was very cooperative with us. We eliminated him as a suspect. He was very forthcoming. His body language didn't appear that he was hiding anything. He didn't give me any indication that he was involved in any type of foul play. Mary Lou's three sons agreed with the investigator's assessment. Did you think Roger could have had anything to do with her disappearance? No. Roger was too loving. Ro Roger loved my mother, and he showed us love like we was his children. He was very good to you? Oh, yes. He was very good to us. But it didn't take long for detectives to discover that not everyone was happy about that warm relationship. In fact, Mary Lou had made a few serious enemies. People who didn't approve of the couple's relationship and who wanted to see them separated no matter what that took. searching for 50-year-old Mary Lou Johnson were now convinced that she had been the victim of foul play. Their investigation revealed that her boyfriend, Roger Blanchard, had no role in her disappearance. But as they began to take a hard look at some of those closest to the millionaire, they quickly found several potential suspects who had been at war with Mary Lou. Roger Blanchard's grown children had made it very clear they were against his relationship with Mary Lou from the beginning. They believed that the younger woman had targeted Roger for his wealth. What did you find out about Roger Blanchard's kids? As we interviewed people close to the family, they indicated that Roger's kids did not like Mary Lou. They grew under the impression that Mary Lou was a gold digger and just after Roger's money. And when detectives questioned Roger's children about Mary Lou's disappearance, they made no effort to hide their contempt for the missing mother and her three sons. They just seemed very indifferent to Mary Lou's disappearance. Indifferent is one thing. Being totally insensitive is another thing. Did they show any signs of concern that she was missing? No, they did not. They really did not. Did you find that troubling? We did. In fact, Roger's children had a long history of trying to force the couple to split up. As you started looking deeper into the relationship between Roger Blanchard's kids and Mary Lou, what did you find out? We found out about a year prior, Roger was hospitalized, and during that time, his children 
and their attorneys had Mary Lou and the children evicted from Roger's home against his interest. They actually took a moving truck and put all of her belongings in it and took her out of the house and said, you're not wanted here anymore. At the time, Roger had no idea that his children had legally forced Mary Lou out of his house. What happened when he got back from the hospital? Mary Lou was told Roger wanted her evicted, so she didn't try to contact him, and his children erased the phone numbers, so Roger had no way to find Mary Lou at that time. But Roger eventually found a way to get word to Mary Lou that he desperately wanted her back. He sent a friend, a mutual friend, to contact Mary Lou, and they resolved the issues, and she moved back in. Roger remained angry with his own children for months over what they had done. He was very disappointed that his family forced her out of that home because he really did care about her and the kids too. So was it your understanding that Roger Blanchard had nothing to do with Mary Lou Johnson being evicted from the home along with her three children? That's correct, 100%. He did not want her evicted. And the relationship between Roger's children and Mary Lou had remained tense right up to the moment of her disappearance. How would Roger's children treat your mother? Disrespect is the only thing I could think of. And you think they hated the fact that Roger spent money on her and helped support you and your brothers? Yes. They're just like jealous because of the money situation. Did you ever share your suspicions with police that you thought that Roger's kids could have had something to do with her disappearance? I didn't force it on him. I told him that was my suspicion. Investigators believe the long-running feud was a potential motive for foul play. Did you suspect that they might have something to do with her disappearance? Absolutely. We wanted to really check that out. Officers placed Roger's children under surveillance to see if their actions might reveal evidence of a sinister plot. As you track them, did they do anything that raised your suspicions? No, they didn't give us any red flags during surveillance at all. In fact, Police ultimately couldn't find anything connecting Roger's children to Mary Lou's mysterious disappearance. And no evidence that they were capable of violence. Then, just as Roger and his inner circle were eliminated as suspects, detectives made an important discovery. It turned out that some of Mary Lou's jewelry had been stolen, including one very expensive piece that Roger had recently bought her. We were looking for a specific necklace that a few of the friends told us about that cost them over $250,000. Could the quarter of a million dollar necklace have been the motive for murder?
The Macomb County Sheriff's Office was in a race against time to find 50-year-old Mary Lou Johnson. But their investigation hadn't turned up a single clue as to her whereabouts. Detectives had just eliminated the children of her 71-year-old boyfriend as suspects when they discovered a new potential motive for the crime, a stolen $250,000 necklace. Could Mary Lou have been abducted during a robbery gone wrong? Police had just begun to investigate the possibility that Mary Lou's disappearance was connected to some very expensive missing jewelry when they received another puzzling tip. This one came from Roger's longtime housekeeper. What did she tell you? The housekeeper, which was also a friend of Roger and Mary Lou, told us that the handyman plumber creeped her out two days prior to Mary Lou's disappearance. What was it about his behavior that she found troubling? Well, she was there cleaning. And when she answered the door, he asked her what she was doing there on Tuesday. And she had no idea why he would know her cleaning schedule. She'd only run into him once or twice in the past. And she just felt very uncomfortable. The plumber told her that he was there to look at a broken hot tub and demanded to speak with either Roger or Mary Lou. When the housekeeper told the man that neither were available, he became extremely agitated. She started feeling that something was wrong with him. He made her feel scared and nervous. She said, it was just a weird look on his face. It was a weird conversation. I locked the doors when he left. That's how nervous I was about this guy. housekeeper identified the plumber as David Wright. And although her story did not appear to be connected to the missing necklace, detectives approached Roger Blanchard to find out more about the hot-tempered handyman. What did you find out about David Wright's relationship to Roger and Mary Lou? Roger told us that David Wright was a uh, plumber and a handyman that was employed at the house during some renovations. But that wasn't all. Roger had invested a substantial amount of money in David Wright's business. Roger told us that David wanted to start his own plumbing company. And Roger asked him, well, what's stopping you? He said, well, I don't have the money. He said, well, how much money do you think it would take? The generous businessman then offered Wright what he needed to get his business off the ground. With no paperwork, no contracts, nothing, Roger gave David Wright $50,000 to start his own company. Roger said he had assumed Wright would begin to pay back the loan as soon as the company started making money. But to that day, he still hadn't received a dime. According to Roger, he did not pay him one payment in the year that he gave him that money. In fact, in the days leading up to Mary Lou's disappearance, Wright had asked Roger for an additional $50,000. 
Was Roger angry about that? Roger did seem pretty upset. He told him, you have made one payment towards the original loan. Make some payments and I'll give you more money. In a show of good faith, David Wright agreed that until he could start repaying the loan, he would do work around the mansion for free. Police wondered if Wright knew anything about Mary Lou's disappearance and brought him in for questioning. Where did David Wright say he'd been that day? He told us that he was at the Blanchard residence. The answer immediately raised red flags. And Wright dug himself in deeper when he mentioned that Mary Lou had canceled the work he was planning to do on the broken hot tub after he had already bought the replacement part. Explained to her, this is what the part cost. What did he claim happened after that? He said she kind of blew him off and said, no, I'll talk to Roger, we'll get back with you. Could he remember what time? Yes, he said he left approximately 2, 2.30 p.m. Detectives were stunned. By his own account, David Wright was now the last person to see Mary Lou Johnson alive. When investigators pressed Wright for more details, he angrily ended the interview. As Wright drove away, Undercover officers were assigned to keep an eye on him. Our surveillance team followed him up to his residence and put him to bed for the night. Police continued to tail right, believing he might be the key to cracking the case. Several days later, your surveillance team did see him do something that raised your suspicions. Yes, he pulled into a local quarter car wash and purchased a spray cleaner from a machine. Went in the back of the pickup truck. He spent quite some time back there and then discarded some garbage into the container outside the car wash. Detectives seized the large garbage bag from the dumpster. An officer discovered what appeared to be blood inside. Investigators now believed they had just recovered critical evidence. It seemed likely to them that that blood might be Mary Lou's. Absolutely. But when forensic experts ultimately finished examining the evidence, they came back with shocking results. The blood did not belong to Mary Lou Johnson. Turned out to be possum blood. No human blood. No human blood. By the time police got that crushing blow, they had recovered another piece of evidence that would break the case wide open. 
Police investigating the disappearance of 50-year-old Mary Lou Johnson appeared to have a major break in the case. A plumber, who had been in her home that day, had later been spotted throwing a bloody garbage bag into a dumpster. When police analyzed the evidence, they were shocked to find that the blood inside the bag was not Mary Lou's, and they never could have imagined what would happen next. After investigators recovered the blood-stained trash bags David Wright had disposed of, they continued their surveillance of him. At the time, the evidence made him the prime suspect in Mary Lou Johnson's disappearance. Why would you pull into a bay of a car wash and not turn on the hose, but yet you're taking plastic bags out of the car, putting them into a dumpster? Police were confident that analysis of those bags would make right the prime suspect in Mary Lou's murder. But while they waited for those results, detectives discovered a violation that allowed them to immediately take David Wright into custody. A misdemeanor traffic stop was made because of him not having a proper license plate. When Wright stepped out of his truck, officers did a routine search. What happened when officers patted him down? They found a vial of what appeared to be diamonds, white and yellow in color, in his front right pocket. Police were amazed by the unexpected discovery. They wondered if the stones could have come from Mary Lou Johnson's missing necklace. Where did Wright say he got the diamonds? He told the arresting officer that they were his ex-wife's. When investigators got back to the station, they compared the diamonds to a photograph of the $250,000 necklace reported stolen by Roger Blanchard. We looked at it on the table. It was almost breathtaking. You're counting them up and you're looking at the particular nature of the white diamonds and then the yellow diamonds that were in there as well. And you're thinking, this is unbelievable. It was an incredible find, thinking, this is it. There is no question, this is our guy. Although authorities were confident that David Wright had been involved in the disappearance of Mary Lou Johnson, they still did not have enough evidence to charge him with murder. Now we got to figure out how do we piece it together. Detectives hoped that Wright would reveal the truth in the interrogation room. And after a short call to his mother, he said he was ready to confess. He told us his mom told him to do the right thing. David Wright told police that he had gone to Roger Blanchard's that day to fix the hot tub. Although he had promised to do the labor for free, he had also come up with a plan to overcharge the wealthy businessman for the replacement part. He explained to us that he asked the salesman to mark up the price of the pump so he could make an extra $1,000.
When Wright showed up to do the work that afternoon, Mary Lou sabotaged his scheme by canceling the job. Wright was furious. We were standing by the trail, like, put the tools away, and I saw a knife with my bag, and I turned around and I grabbed her. I told her, I said, Mary Lou, I need some money. She said, what are you doing? What are you doing? What did he say happened after that? He said he planned on kidnapping her. Wright claimed that Mary Lou struggled with him as he tried to force her into his trailer. I had her right here, around the rope. I was pushing her in the trailer. She fell down. I fell over the top of her. I pulled her up. I looked down, and I just saw blood. According to Wright, Mary Lou was badly injured and immediately went into shock. I stepped out of the trailer. She, she, she was just laying there looking at me. Wright raced inside the mansion, grabbed Mary Lou's purse, and began to try to cover his tracks. Went in the trailer. Puddle of blood was even bigger. She wasn't moving. I picked up the knife and I poked her. She didn't move. Wright told police that he had used a hose to wash away the drops of blood that had spilled onto the driveway. And then he fled. What did he say he did after that? Told us he went to the local gas station. We had surveillance from that gas station showing him with what appeared to be a blood stain on his T-shirt. It was an accident. <laughs> Investigators didn't believe Wright's story. They suspected he was guilty of cold-blooded murder. It was very sickening. The only remorse he was showing was that he knew he was going to spend some time in prison. After the crime, Wright drove to his family's lakefront property about 30 miles away to dispose of the evidence. He threw Mary Lou's purse into the lake and placed her body in a shallow grave. A few days later, he decided to move Mary Lou's remains. What led him to do that? He said he panicked because he knew that if we had cadaver dogs out on the family property, that we were going to find Mary Lou. So he said it was at that point he decided to move her body? Yes. He went back and unearthed her and then took her out in the middle of the lake, tied some cinder blocks around her, and dumped her to the lake. Wright said he placed a dead animal into the grave to disguise the original burial location. He told us he was worried that her scent would still be in the empty grave. So he got an idea to go find a roadkill on the street and bring it back and bury it. 
the bloody garbage bags he had used to transport the animal were the ones police had recovered at the car wash. After David Wright's confession, investigators raced to the lake to search for Mary Lou's body. Detective Bromatico was a member of the police dive team assigned to find her. This is Cass Lake, where David Wright told us that he dumped Mary Lou's body. Bromatico had just arrived when he got a report from a local fisherman who had seen something disturbing on his underwater camera. Where were you when that information was relayed to you? We were all suited up, just about to get in the water, maybe several hundred yards away from where the call came from. The water was deep and murky. Detective Grammatico knew the search would be challenging. Describe what that entailed. It was about 30 feet of water, and we got down to the bottom, and a short time later, we observed what looked like to be a body wrapped in sheets and long, uh, flowing dark hair coming out of the top. We knew what we saw was Mary Lou. Police also recovered Mary Lou's purse in another part of the lake. What was found inside of Mary Lou's purse? It did have her wallet, her passport, several pieces of jewelry, including the necklace minus the diamonds. Wright claimed he had actually stolen the necklace weeks before the attack on Mary Lou. But detectives already had proof that little of what Wright had told them could be confirmed by the evidence. In particular, his tearful story about how he killed Mary Lou. The medical examiner's report revealed that her death had been no accident. In fact, it was cold-blooded murder. He concluded that she had six other stab wounds, including two through her heart. When Marilou's body is pulled from Cass Lake, we have a manner of death consistent with a violent homicide. You have physical evidence overwhelmingly indicating that this could not have been an accident and clearly was not an accident. After the autopsy helped seal the case against Wright, Detective Grammatico had the difficult task of breaking the news to Roger Blanchard. Roger was visibly upset. He was heartbroken. Sheriff Mark Hackle took it upon himself to inform Mary Lou's sons. How did you go about choosing your words when you knew that these young men had already lost their father to cancer? They were now orphans. You don't choose them. It's the moment. And I couldn't even begin to tell you exactly what I said because, as you could tell emotionally, 
even right now, you can't help but think, you know, how would you take it if somebody had to tell you that? The three boys had braced themselves for the worst. And now it had become reality. And that was the first time anyone confirmed that your mother was not missing, but yeah. in fact, murdered. Right. How angry did those details make you? Very angry. It got to a point where I wanted to do something myself. Despite his confession and all of the evidence against him, David Wright took the case to trial. But the jury had no doubt about his guilt. He was convicted and sentenced to life without parole for larceny, kidnapping, and felony murder. What was going through your mind as the verdict was about to be read? Just anxious for him to just be put away. I was just disgusted that somebody could be that greedy. It really hit home in my life. What is the most powerful thing you've learned living through this trauma? You never know what the next day is going to bring. My mom was gone like that. You don't know what you really have until it's really gone. Roger Blanchard passed away shortly after David Wright's trial. Until his death, he remained generous with Mary Lou's sons. All three are grateful to Roger for the love and support he provided to both them and their mother. I'm Paula Zahn. Please join me next time when we're back on The Case.